Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about politics in the workplace. I was hired to groom Danielle for a promotion. Less than a week after our first coaching session, the head of her division, who'd been a fixture for a dozen years, announced he was leaving for another opportunity. Overnight, every senior leader in the division, including Danielle, was thrown into a major game of musical chairs. Some people would zoom upwards, while others would stay where they were. Danielle felt this was the perfect opportunity for her to snag her promotion. I agreed it well might be. I began to ask Danielle about the details of her relationships with each of the most senior players in the division. After a bit, Danielle slumped down and muttered, Ugh, I hate politics. Whenever I hear that comment, and I'm surprised by how often I do hear that comment, I reply with a suggestion. How would it be, I ask, if you substituted the word politics with the word relationships? Would you still hate it? Usually people say no. Now, the truth is, politics exist. But, just as the word power is neither positive nor negative, the word politics by itself doesn't tell you what sort of politics exist in your organization or how you relate to it. Most often, people who say they hate politics believe politics are nefarious, illegitimate means of getting ahead. While that certainly can be true, it's rare that I see an organization play by those rules. What I do see is that every company and every group within every company has its own rules about how politics are played. Since the game of politics is being played, like it or not, people can choose to play the game or they can bench themselves on the sidelines. I challenge my clients, get in the game or get left behind. It's naive to think political savvy doesn't factor into people's success. If two candidates for a role are equally qualified, but one is more savvy than the other, most often the savvier candidate is going to get the nod. I think that's appropriate. To me, this feels as inevitable as the fact that the candidate who can display the look and sound of leadership is going to have an advantage over the one who can't. So, if politics doesn't automatically mean manipulation and backstabbing, what does it mean? To me... Being political simply means knowing the rules for how people within a specific group get things done. It's not unlike the dynamics within particular families. One family may have a strict but unspoken rule that you don't do anything to upset mom or hurt her feelings. Meanwhile, the family next door may live by an anything-goes rule in terms of how you treat each other, but you never ever air your dirty laundry to outsiders. Of course, it takes time to figure out what hurts mom's feelings or who are outsiders and who aren't. But learning the rules and sticking to them is how each family member earns privileges. The child who never learns the rules or who consistently rejects them is going to ultimately have trouble being an accepted member of the family. Over time, that child might succeed in ducking the family politics, but she will most likely also miss out on much of the family's nurturing. Politics in the world of work isn't much different. When you know the rules within your organization, it's easier to answer tough questions like, when is it okay to stand firm and defend myself? When is it okay to talk about someone else's performance? What support can I expect for a particularly challenging idea? What's going to turn someone 
from an ally into an enemy. If you are going to achieve advancement and influence in your current position, you need to be able to discern the answer to these sorts of questions, and that means you have to have some political savvy. Kathleen Kelly Reardon spent her career studying politics and organizations, and then she wrote the definitive book on it, The Secret Handshake. She describes politically savvy people as agile in the use of power and the ability to influence others. That sounds like something to aspire to, don't you think? Being agile in the use of power and the ability to influence others. By the way, if you ever have the chance to see Kathleen Reardon in person, run to be first in line. She lives overseas now, so she doesn't often make public appearances anymore, but her keen insights, practical advice, and her ruthless wit make her a special treat to hear. Keep your eye out for her. In her book, The Secret Handshake, Kathleen puts forth two premises, which she then interweaves. Her first premise is that organizations vary in the degree to which they use politics to accomplish goals. She describes four different political climates she's observed in organizations. Rather than try to describe each of the four climates here for you, I want to give you a sense of the continuum Kathleen creates. On the low end of the scale, she talks about the minimally politicized climate. The atmosphere there is amicable and team-oriented. At the other end of the scale is what she calls the pathologically politicized climate. In those organizations, rules are made only to be circumvented, and conflict is pervasive and long-lasting, not a fun place to work. Her second premise describes four political styles she's observed in individuals. On the low end of this scale, she describes the purist who believes in getting ahead through hard work. On the other end of the scale are the maneuverers, who are skillful political players, but they like to be unobtrusive so they can have deniability. Kathleen makes the point that individuals anywhere along this continuum may find it difficult to tolerate others who have styles that are significantly different from their own. Now, at this point in the book, Reardon inserts a very helpful chart. She calls it the fit of style to organization type. Along the top are the four types of political organizations. Down the side are the four political styles for individuals. Then, working across each column, she shows how each style for an individual fits or doesn't fit each type of organization. The chart's a very helpful way to think about politics in the workplace. If you'd like to see it, just ask. On our website, EssentialCom.com, that's EssentialCom with two M's dot com, there's a button at the bottom of every page marked Contact Us. Select it and ask for the chart on politics. I'd be happy to send it to you. Okay, I was saying that Kathleen makes the point that people find it hard to tolerate others who have significantly different styles. I think this is so true. When I hear people say they hate politics, what I think they often mean is that they're experiencing a mismatch between their styles and the styles of others. Either the individuals they're working with have a radically different style from their own, or the organization itself favors those who have a different style. In either case, the result feels oppressive and unpleasant. No wonder they say they hate politics. Reardon puts it quite bluntly. Quote, 
You can't achieve the secret handshake, advancement and influence in an organization that is completely antagonistic to your style, close quote. In her wry fashion, she goes on to observe, quote, Investing your effort in an organization for which you're unsuited is not a pleasant or productive way to spend a chunk of your life. Close quote. When Danielle told me she hated politics, what I wanted to know was which political style felt most natural to her and whether that style was a good match with the way politics was played in her division. Over time, we determined that, yes, she actually was quite well-matched with her division. Once we knew that, we began identifying actions that would strengthen her relationships during the ensuing game of musical chairs, because, after all, politics is all about relationships. As you think about yourself as a political player, first and foremost, consider how well you manage relationships. Do you manage up as effectively as you manage down? How are your relationships with your peers? Do you know what the word on the street is about you? If not, do you have trusted sources who will give you good feedback? Tend your relationships well, and you'll grow your political savvy. If, after listening to this executive coaching tip, you do not have a strong sense of where you might fall on that continuum of individual styles, I'd suggest you read The Secret Handshake. Pay particular attention to the detailed descriptors of each of those styles. There's also a leadership style inventory in the book that may help raise your awareness about your preferences. Then, study Kathleen's recommendations for becoming politically savvy. If you can become comfortable with even half the skills she discusses in the book, you'll be well on your way to achieving the look and sound of leadership. Of our more than 40 podcasts, many of them are about managing your relationships in the workplace. You can find all our podcasts on our website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. From our homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That will take you to a searchable archive of our podcasts and more than four years of executive coaching tips. Our podcasts are also available through iTunes. Just search for The Look and Sound of Leadership. Until next time, this is Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. 